If I to take out your handout, if you will, I want to point something out to you. And if you have it close by, maybe your telephone, if you have a smartphone, or if you can receive a text message, I want you to grab your phone out. It's one of the few times that I want you to have your phone out while I'm preaching, but uh, just humor me for a moment. In the connection handout today, you notice when you open it up, the first panel that you come to is the connect panel, and there's a uh, emphasis there on 40 days of renewal, and I would hope that sometime today you'll be able to take the moment to read through that page and the uh, half the next one because it gives you a little bit of an insight to what 40 days of renewal is all about. But let me give you the summary, if you will, orally. Uh, 40 days of renewal is about us being renewed in body and spirit in Jesus Christ. Now, no question, this is a call for us every day of our life. That we are to not be conformed to the world, but as Romans 12 says, be transformed by the renewal of our mind. In fact, today at the end of the message, as we've been engaged in God's Word, at the conclusion of that, I'm going to call you to be renewed by it. In fact, I've thought about it, I've prayed about it, I've written the message to a point that it ought to bring renewal to you because it's the power of God's Word to renew people. So I'm hoping that that will happen, and I'll call you to that decision to be renewed in the spirit of your mind in Christ Jesus. But there's something about us as a faith family doing this together that will be very helpful to us. So January the 8th, we begin a 40-day period of renewal, 40 days of renewal. Now, what we're doing is following a practice that Daniel has established for us in the Scripture. Three times a day, Daniel was praying to God. He's a prophet of God, so he's seeking after the Word of God, and he is praising God. And he is being very disciplined in his life uh, to good health. So we're following that same rhythm for that 40-day period beginning January the 8th, where we're three times a day going to pray to God, read God's Word, and praise God which is the reason why I have you to pull out your phone. Because you notice on the top portion of that panel, it says that you can connect with this by texting the word RENEWAL to 256-414-9113. I think that's the right number. If not, uh, you correct me. It's in your handout. Text that, that word RENEWAL right now to that number, and here's what's going to happen. It'll get you registered so that on January the 8th and the 40 days of the... 40 days renewal, you will receive a reminder text with a scripture passage that the whole church will be reading. You'll just simply click the text where it says uh, something about the passage, and it will take you to the Bible app, and that passage will pop up on your phone, and you'll pause for a moment in the day to read that text. And there will be a little link that we will provide for you daily that you click the link and it will take you to a worship song that you can use to worship God. Or maybe it's a praise song that we're using to praise God that day. You don't have to use the song that we uh, might pitch to you, but it's just a reminder for you. And then we're going to pause and pray throughout the day. So three times a day we're reading God's Word, we're praying, and we're praising. You on board with that? All right, so you've got to text the word renewal to that number if you want to get the reminders. Otherwise, it's going to be up to you. Now, just forewarning, our schedule is going to be 7 a.m., noon, and 7 p.m. So if, uh, if you're good with that, then text that word to us, and we'll get you linked into those reminders. And then throughout the 40-day period, as part of the good body and spirit health, we're going to also follow the eating patterns of Daniel. If you remember the history 
uh, Daniel and many others from Israel were taken captive by the Babylonians as they swept through the region as part of God's discipline against Israel. And Daniel and some of his friends were specifically chosen because they were said to be the brightest and the most uh, fit of the land. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, wanted them for a social experiment. He wanted for three years to be able to invest in them the intellect and the culture of Babylon so that at the conclusion of that point, they would be advisors to him, counselors to him. So he said to his chief steward, I want you to make sure that they have everything that they need. I want them to eat from my table and I want them to drink my wine. Well, that was a problem for Daniel and his friends because they viewed that food to be defiled because it had been sacrificed to false gods. And so Daniel told the steward, we don't want to eat the king's food and we don't want to drink the king's wine. And the steward was pretty troubled by this because he said, hey, that's going to cost me my life if at the end you prove not to be worthy of the king and it's because I didn't feed you what the king told me to feed you. My life is in jeopardy. And Daniel said this, Give us 10 days, and here's what we want. We want, it's translated in the English, vegetables. It's a word in the Hebrew that means food from seed. We want vegetables and water only. And at the end of 10 days, you look at us, and you see if we're better in appearance than those who eat the king's food and drink the king's wine. Well, at the end of 10 days, if you know the story, they looked better. And at the end of the three-year period... Daniel and his friends were the ones that the king chose to be his advisors because it was obvious that they had greater health and a greater intellect and greater wisdom that had been given to them by God. So that doesn't mean that this is the rest of our life, but for a 40-day window, uh, Kay and I, many others in this faith family are going to follow that pattern. We're going to eat fruit and vegetables, uh, beans and legumes, and we're going to eat whole grains and seed uh, and nuts, and we're going to drink only water. And we're going to do it for 40 days with the intention that God is going to find us more healthy in body and spirit. Now, why is that important? Well, number one, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. He says our body is his temple. It's his dwelling place. And so I believe that God has in his heart that we would be healthy, that our bodies would not have things that are impure. That's more than food. That's any intake of the world. We would really limit that. So... We're going to be guarded about what we watch, what we're entertained by, what we do, what we, what we listen to. We're going to be better in health during that 40-day period. Uh, but it's also we're going to have a greater intake spiritually. Now, let me just say, God is completely satisfied with us in Christ Jesus. Amen? That He is fully satisfied with the credit that is ours in Jesus. I'm not trying to do anything to make God more accepting of me or more pleased or satisfied with me. All of that is accomplished in Christ. This is about my body and my spirit being honed. It's about yours being sharpened, about us having greater propensity to study God's Word, greater discipline in our life physically and spiritually so that we might do greater ministry. Uh, we might read God's Word with greater insight. That's what I'm after, and I believe that's what God's after as well. So I'd like for you to begin thinking about that and praying about that and uh, begin the process with us on the 8th day of January. Uh, are, you, are you with me? Yeah. Hey, we're getting more and more as we're going along. Thank you. So be sure and text that word, and uh, you'll, you'll get a response from us. Now, let's go into God's Word into the third chapter of Luke. I mentioned that I was going to... 
uh, talk about John some. Here we are um, three decades later after Mary and Elizabeth had that conversation in the first chapter. And John is making proclamation about the, the coming ministry of Jesus, which is uh, just around the corner when he makes this uh, third chapter um, message, if you will, sermon, if you will. Uh, it says, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the word of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. So John is helping people to make ready for the coming of the Messiah, make ready for the Savior's work and ministry. I'm wearing my glasses today because, number one, I read better with them and I can see you better with them, but I'm wearing them as well uh, for an illustration for you. If you see me in my glasses, it's typically I'm in the office at my desk and I can read well my Bible, which is on my desk, and I can look out and read well the computer screen that's in front of me. And if somebody's coming down the, the hallway towards my office, I can see them as well. And the reason why that is is because the doctor has made my glasses such that there's three different vantage points that I can look through. So the lower portion is my up-close, the middle portion is my intermediate scope of vision, and the upper part is way out there. Now, the way God has made our brain, you learn pretty quick where you're supposed to put your head and what angle. So if you see me, he's looking a little snooty today, no exactly reading the Bible uh, when he's looking down like that. But you learn those things. I want you to think of it in that way as we're reading the words that John proclaimed to those who he was making ready for the Messiah's ministry. Because this text has an, a very immediate application for today. And as we read through these things that God is doing in Christ Jesus uh, to us, uh, for us, through Him, I want you to think of it in an immediate today, in the moment way. And then as we read them as well, I want you to think, it, uh, think of it in an intermediate way. I'm talking about tomorrow, the next day, or next month. Sort of in close proximity that God is wanting to do these things in you, in Christ Jesus, in that time period. But then I want you to look way to the top with me and way out there somewhere. Maybe it's not way out there. Only God knows because God knows when the timing is for us to be in heaven. And when that happens, I want you to see that band and how Christ is going to accomplish fully this work that John is prophesying about today. So we're going to look at all three of those angles. Now, as we're doing so, we're needing to understand what, what John is doing is he is preparing the way. In fact, his purpose in life is to prepare the way for Christ Jesus. And it won't be long after the initiation of the public ministry of Christ that John will die. And John's disciples are going to come into the discipleship of Jesus Christ. In fact, some of them come as part of the twelve. And uh, the purpose of John is to ready people for this. And the way that he is readying them is very specific. 
And it's very simple, but it's very profound. That Christ has come as Messiah to transform people. John has come to ready them for that transformation. And there's one way that we are readied for transformation. You know what it is? Repentance. Repentance is always the preparation for transformation. Now, if you've been at Meadowbrook for a while, you know exactly what repentance means because we talk about it fairly often. In fact, you could probably quote it from the root language of the Bible. The word is a compound word, metanoia. Meta means change. Noia means mind. So it is changing the way you think about something. If you're going to be prepared for the transforming work of Jesus, John says you need to change the way you're thinking about things. And what is it that the people who he was speaking this initial message to, what is it that they were thinking that needed to be changed? Well, this was to a Jewish audience that John was preaching, and so he's calling for them specifically as a people to be changed because they really believed that their salvation was grounded in their heritage and in their obedience to God's law. They really believed that they would escape the judgment of God because they were sons and daughters of Abraham. And that the judgment of God rested upon everybody who wasn't. They really believed that they could do and accomplish things for God's honor. And that God was satisfied with them. And what John is saying is, you need to change the way you think about that. And the way you think about it is that you are just like the rest of the world when it comes to falling short of God's glorious standard. There is no one here that is outside of that. Now, when John calls them to be baptized for the uh, forgiveness of their sins, that call is a simple call that uh, is rooted back in an Old Testament practice. Uh, the Old Testament practice of being cleansed, ceremonially cleansed. Uh, have you ever heard of the word mikvah? It's a Hebrew word that means gathering of water, and it is from a natural source. It's, it's not like water out of the hydrant. It's supposed to have a natural flow to it. The mikvah is. Mikvah became not just a gathering of water or a pool of natural water, but it became known as the place for ceremonial cleansing. And so uh, it, it's often described as what one does when they go down into the mikvah for ceremonial cleansing, and then they come up out of that, and they put on fresh, clean clothes. And it's an initiational rite, if you will, towards purity. Uh, of course, you and I know that that's not going to make you spiritually clean. You and I know that that is a, an Old Testament practice of ritual cleansing that moves towards what the Messiah and only the Messiah can accomplish. That only Christ, the Messiah, can actually bring spiritual cleansing to people. But this is meant to be an expression of hope that one day this will be done in Christ. It's the same for us just on the other side. You and I know that the death of the Messiah and the burial of the Messiah and the resurrection of the Messiah changes everything for us. And so you and I enter into water and we too are immersed into water and come up out of that immersion not for what Christ will do but what he has done. We look back on this side of the cross and resurrection in our baptism and we say this is what this represents, what Christ has accomplished. All right, so when John is calling the people who are on this side of the cross, 
who are very comfortable with cleansing themselves, when he's calling them to be baptized in repentance of forgiveness of sins, he's calling them to something they're familiar with, but not with themselves. Because the ones who would be called to baptism for forgiveness would be the Gentiles. Because the Gentiles are baptized by the mikvah into the faith of Judaism. So now John is calling for the Jewish people, you need to change the way you think about this. You too need to be baptized unto repentance for the forgiveness of your sins. In other words, he's putting them on the same place as all of us. All the murderers, all the thieves, all the adulterers, and all the good old boys need to come to faith in Jesus Christ to be forgiven of sins and to walk in a new way of living. So he's calling them to that place. You hear this in his, his call in chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. He says, Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Don't begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able to raise these stones up, uh, raise from these stones to... Uh, well, let me see if I can rephrase that in the right way. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So the Jews reasoned that because they were descendants of Abraham, that they were good. That they would not be part of God's judgment. And what John says is actually... It's like the axe has been raised and about to come down to the root of the tree. God's judgment is going to come upon you. You need to rethink this thing. You need to humble yourself and rethink salvation. You need to rethink your relationship with God as all of us do. Now, John was calling them to prepare for this work of salvation that was going to be theirs in the Messiah, as it will be in ours too. So he's calling them to prepare to respond to Christ differently. He's calling them into the Jordan to be baptized. Now, you might say, well, Randy, I get that, that they were in need, but I don't know about me. I, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. I don't know what, what law I've broken against God, and I don't know that God would, would bring judgment against me. I, I want to remind you of what Jesus said about the law of God because people have this idea, well, I'm not a murderer, I'm not an adulterer, whatever the sin is that they're not. Jesus says, oh, if you've committed lust in your heart, you've lusted after an individual, then you've committed adultery in your heart. And Jesus says, you know that you're not supposed to murder, but I say to you, if you have anger against someone, you've committed murder in your heart already I'm just going to stand in front of you and say this I have lusted after people and I have been mad and angry at people and you know what that makes me an adulterous murderer really yeah and in the end right now I'm in need of God's mercy Oh, you preachers, you're all alike. You just want to put a guilt trip on you. No, no, no. I'm not talking about your guilt. I'm talking about mine. Now, if you sense any guilt whatsoever when I'm talking about my sin, 
If you sense any guilt whatsoever when I'm reading God's word, it's great hope for you. Because if you sense that, God doesn't just bring conviction upon you without also bringing you hope and mercy and grace. God gives the way out of that. Okay, so you're lustful. Okay, so you have hate in your heart, anger in your heart. Okay, so you've broken all the commands of God. God also has given us great hope in that Jesus Christ, who is sinless, will take your sin upon himself and die with it there and give you the credit of his righteous living. That's the great gospel news. But the point is, you have to first change the way you think about life and relationship with God in order to come to the fullness of what Christ is offering to you today. It's making preparation. Repentance makes the straight way to Jesus Christ. When you begin thinking differently about what your needs are spiritually and otherwise, and that Jesus is the answer for that, then you're making straight way to Christ Jesus. And when you do that, he begins to open up great treasures for you. So I want to talk about those treasures today in four points. And you'll, again, see through the various scope of uh, vision. Uh, First is this, that Jesus fills the valleys of life. That Jesus is filling the valley of life. And he's doing so by the accomplishment uh, that is already uh, given to us on the cross, the resurrection from the grave, and, and this being immersed by the Spirit of God into him and him into us. And in that, he is taking the low places of our soul and lifting them. So there's some low places in my life. Can I just tell you, there's some places in my life that I hope you never discover. There's some things that has gone on in my life that are the low points of my life that if it weren't for Jesus, I would still be there. But he has raised me up out of those places. Let me tell you when that happened. The moment I trusted in Jesus Christ, there was an immediate movement of me out of those places, up out of them to the place where Christ Jesus was. My life was moving in that direction because I was down at that depth. But Jesus gave me a new life. He made it so that the old things would be passed away and all things would become new. He charted me on a new pathway. And he's done the same for you who have put your faith and confidence in him. But it's not just the moment of your salvation that begins that work, but it's a continuation of that. So I was born with a sinful flesh. Sin resides in my flesh. There's some low places that my flesh craves. But Jesus is working in me and he's working in you who are in faith in him with his spirit, making it so that we don't have to languish in those low places he constantly is moving us out of that it's the reason why he's giving us his word he's helping us to see where the high places are it's the reason why he's giving us his spirit who speaks to us in our conscience to call us into this this uh, place where we're not going low you know what he says to me oftentimes i can hear it in the moment of temptation or i can hear it after the temptation and i find myself in the midst of sin you know what he says to me that's not who you are That low place is not where you're to be. You're new in me. And and he is moving me out of those low places. But there's coming a day as well that Jesus will always have this place to be elevated. That I will be raised up with him and you will be raised up with him. So think of it in this way. It's for today, it's for tomorrow, and it's for the future that he is raising us 
from those low places. Some of you battle the low places in despair and thoughts and depression. And you battle those low emotional places. I want you to know that Jesus wants to elevate you out of that. He wants to lift you from those places and he wants that to be done in your life. And he'll do that. He can do that today. You bask in who you are in Christ Jesus if your faith is in him. You recognize you're a son or a daughter of the Most High God. And yes, there have been circumstances in your life that the enemy tries to drag you back into them in a down lower place. Yes, there are some circumstances that's gone on that you wish had not gone on. And yes, you might go down to those low places. But know where you are today in Christ Jesus. And know tomorrow he's going to be at that place. Can I just tell you that all things are not good for those who are saved? That there are days that are just troublesome. There are days that are just drag you down. There are those rainy days on Monday. Don't they always get you down? And Jesus is saying, I'm already there. I'll walk you through it. I'll be with you in it and I'll lift you up. And you say, well, I don't want to go through those times. Oh my goodness, when you're going through those times and Jesus is there with you, you'll come out on the other side and say, thank God Jesus was with me. Now I know him all the more. There's going to be a day you won't ever have to worry about that despair and depression. There's going to be a day where Jesus is going to wipe away every tear. And there is going to be a day where joy and laughter will fill your heart. And it will be expressed every day of eternity. That day is coming. He makes the low places elevated. But then John says, you need to change the way you're thinking about this because the Messiah will also bring down those prideful mountains in your life and he'll bring you to a place of humility. It's the same way valleys are lifted and high, those high places will be brought low. I really think for many of us, these kind of mountains are the inflated ego, the pride, the self-reliance, the self-will, the self-glorification, the self-exaltation, constantly looking for the applause. You say, well, that's not me. Oh, how many times do you go back to look for the like button? How many times do you go back looking to see who made comments? Those are high mountains, my friends. This self-exalting selfie world proves out that our heart is desperately wicked. How in the world will we ever exalt the Messiah if we're looking to exalt ourselves constantly? Jesus says, I'm going to make those high places down low. Remember the narrative that Jesus gave one day? It was a parable that he was giving about a Pharisee and a tax collector who were in the temple. And uh, both of them were praying. One was praying, yeah, I'm grateful I'm not like him. But the other was a tax collector. And his prayer is, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. All right, now think about his life for a moment. This guy who's the tax collector is obviously striven for what the world says is the high point. He has sought after power and prestige and money, and he has found it. Now, he's done it in really dastardly ways. He's done it in ways that he has sided with the Roman occupiers to tax his own people to fund the Roman occupation. Now, that's pretty doggone low right there. But it's more than that. It is him taking more than is required by the Roman government for his own coffers to be filled. 
So he has all the riches and all the power that an individual might want. He's at the high point of his mountain, which the world applauds, by the way. But when he comes face to face with the reality that he's in desperate need for mercy, he calls out to God for that mercy. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's a high mountain brought low. You might say, well, why in the world would anybody want to exchange that? Why would anybody want to exchange a high place in the world for a humble place in the kingdom of God? I'll tell you why. Because God brings down the haughty and God lifts up the humble. You exchange this temporary mountain of your life with self-will and self-importance and self-empowerment and self-glorification. You exchange that for humility in Christ Jesus. And here's what he promises, that God will raise up, lift up the humble. And that lifting is for all eternity. So the choice is ours. Do we do it in a mighty way for a temporary number of years? Or do we humble ourselves and let God exalt us for all eternity to the glory of Jesus Christ? May that be the case. Then he says... Jesus is going to make crooked ways to be straight. So John gave great hope in those crooked parts of our life that Christ Jesus would make them straight. All the cheating, all the lying, all the stealing, all the hiding, all the pretending, all the hypocrisy would be gone and made straight in Christ Jesus. All the sin in our lives would be forgiven and erased and our lives would be made straight by God in Jesus Christ. To make straight those crooked ways. Are there crooked ways in you that Christ wants to make straight today, right now? Is it calling out to you about the diversions of your life that are going this way and that way? And he's saying, I want to make that straight in your life. I want you to be right. I want you to be in truth. I want you to be at standard with me. He's calling for you to do that. And might I just say tomorrow, he's going to do that as well. His spirit is going to work in you. It's called the sanctification process. He's going to sanctify. He's going to make you holy. He's going to help you to be more straight in the ways of, of God by His Spirit reigning within you. And there's coming a day that there will be no sin in your flesh and there will be nothing but straightness in your life. And the glorification of God in Christ Jesus, we will be made like Him. And then number four, John promises and Jesus fulfills the promise that He will plane out the rough places underneath that make the ways level. So he's going to do a work down below. Imagine the rocky desert terrain of the Middle East. This is a picture that was taken at the beginning of the year when we were over in that area. It's in the southern portion of Judea. It's a very, uh, obviously, a desert climate, and there are rocks galore. Even in the northern portion where Galilee is, there are rocks everywhere. I think I have rocks. Anybody like me, when we first started work in our garden, uh, we were breaking the soil up to prepare it back then. We didn't practice then as we do now. So we're just tilling it up and breaking it up. And No doubt, we picked up 10,000 rocks. That's no exaggeration. It's just rocks after rocks after rocks. And finally, we get it where it's absolutely perfectly smooth and you see nothing but great fertile soil to be planted and then the rains come, and you walk out there, and you say, wait, God, 
when did you let it rain rocks? There's now a few hundred rocks out there, and here we go again. We're picking up rocks and going and taking them off. I'm telling you, that happened over and over and over. You think we have rocks? There were innumerable number of rocks in Israel. That's all you see is rocks. That's the reason why John, when he's declaring this message, he says, oh, you think it's a big deal that you're the sons and daughters of Abraham? If God wanted to, he could make sons and daughters of Abraham out of these rocks. And they're looking around saying, well, that's a lot of people. Rocks everywhere. And, of course, you know what's happened. Of course, it's the structure of the soil. But then as rain comes and as wind blows, it exposes more and more. Have you ever noticed in your life how sometimes you do things in an exaggerated way and you or somebody would say, where did that come from? That was way out there. That's disproportionate to what the situation is. You ever notice that you and your wife can be talking about pasta and all of a sudden your voices are raised and your veins are poking out and you're really angry and mad and you're looking for words that you kind of want to hurt her but not enough to hurt her to make a real big difference but you find yourself over pasta doing that stuff. Anybody else like that? We don't choose to eat pasta at my house because of that. You know what the problem is? There's rocks underneath there. There's hurt, and there's unbelief, and there's wrong belief, and there's misconceptions, and there's all kinds of junk in there that's unconfessed and unrepented of, and yet to be resolved in Christ Jesus, and it's just like big old rocks. And John says, Jesus has come that that might be brought up and planed so that the way can be smooth. I can't get past some of your hurts. I can't change what you have or are experiencing. And I don't have the right words to frame in a way that is going to make you walk out of here and say, okay, all better now. But I know the one who can make all things new. And I know the master, the savior, the redeemer, who can help you deal with that brokenness that you've experienced or that you are experiencing. And I know the one who can speak truth into you in the midst of that pain and that suffering. And I know the one who will give you hope that a new day is dawning. I know him. I've experienced him. John is saying that's what Jesus is wanting to do. Now let me just tell you, like my garden, it takes a while. We bought a bigger track than where our garden was, Kay and I have, and we're in a long, multi-year process of prepping it. I mean, you think we had rocks before. We really have rocks now. And there's trees where I don't want trees to be, and there's stumps where there used to be trees, and we want there to be fertile soil there. There is a lot of work and a lot of time that's going to be spent doing that. Because it's been neglected. But God has made us to be productive. He's made us to be cultivators of the land. And we're going to do that. 
but it's going to take a while. And can I just remind you that the stumps in your life and the boulders, rocks, and debris in your life have been going on for a long time. And if you'll let him, Christ Jesus will reach down in you and he'll begin to work out truth in you. It's not going to be overnight. It'll be tomorrow as well. And the mercies of God will renew with the rising of the sun the next day and the next day and the next day. And over time, he will tenderize you and your life and your thinking and your heart with his word. And his spirit is going to work down in the midst of that hurt and that pain and that sorrow and that suffering. And over time, he is going to make that plain. And if you say, well, there's some things in me that will just never change. Oh, my friends, there's a day coming where everything is going to change. Every pain and every suffering and every sorrow that you've ever experienced or will ever experience will be wiped away and everything will be new. It's coming. Okay, what I've just described for you is two big principles in the Bible. After your salvation is a process of sanctification which is God working in you to make you holy. How does that happen? By you changing the way you think about holiness and you submitting to Him, choosing His way, His truth, His life over your own or this world. And that working is going to be constant. It's going to be a constant working of the Spirit of God to one day you'll stand before Jesus. And that's called glorification, meaning that you will be glorified, unique as Christ is unique, without sin. That's coming. On the process, there are going to be difficult days, difficult journeys, days where low places you'll be raised up, where high places will be lowered down, where crooked places will now be made straight and you'll go in a whole new path, and where rocky places are going to be tilled and planed. And that's going to be difficult, but it's going to be glorious along the way. And along the way, you're going to catch great glimpses of what God is doing in the world, reconciling all things to Jesus Christ, so that when you appear before Jesus and you are made right in your body, as you already are in your spirit, you'll say, oh God, now I see. Now I know what you were doing. And for the rest of eternity, you'll give him all the praise and glory that he's due. So, if you're here today, and it's because you're trying to get your life right, trying to clean up your mouth, trying to get rid of this habit, start that habit, you're trying to get acceptable to God. If you're here today for all that, I want you to change the way you think. Because your heritage and your good works are going to fall desperately short. Come to Jesus. Come to him. He'll begin a change, immediate change today in your spirit. And he'll begin a long process in your flesh and in your mind and in your life that will shape you to be more and more like him. Begin that journey today. How do I do so? By faith that God has provided it in his son Jesus. Yield your life to him. Submit your life to Him. Forsake your life as a sinner. Choose the way of Christ and His righteousness. Deny all others and follow Him. Father, I thank You for Your saving grace.
Thank you for your great mercy and love that has been given and demonstrated in Christ Jesus. And I pray that there will not be a single person who's hearing my voice that will not come to faith in you. To deny themselves, take up the cross of Jesus, and follow him from this day forward. And I pray it would bring great glory to our Savior who has brought this salvation, King Jesus. In his name I pray, amen. Well, if you're here today and God has brought you to this place for a very specific purpose, for you to rethink your life and your relationship with him, it could be that he's wanting you to come to personal faith that Jesus alone can be your Savior, that he alone is the Lord over all others, and that one day every knee is going to bow before him, but today you choose that. You choose your life to be bowed before him. You choose to live eternity with him. You choose that eternity to begin today in him. Why don't you rest your faith in the God who has provided that? Submit your life to him. There might be a number of you who have done that, but you need to recommit your life to this work of God. To be brought up out of the low places, to be brought down into the glorious place that you built for yourself or to be pulled away from the crookedness of life and to be put on the straight path of Jesus, to come back to the way of the Holy Spirit, to let this rocky condition which you've been living to be planed out by Christ, that you might exalt Him and, and really represent well what it's like to live in the kingdom of God. You probably have come to this place needing to recommit yourself to that, just being given to what God wants to do in your life. There might be others of you who, who have received Christ long ago and you've been walking in a sanctified way. Can I just tell you to keep on going? That God's not finished yet? That he is con He's going to carry all the way through to it's perfected as you stand before Him. Keep going. Don't grow weary in doing well. In due season, you're going to reap. So we're going to give you an opportunity to respond as God would call for you to respond. Our staff will be standing down front as we sing this next song. If you're here and ready and willing to trust Jesus, why don't you come forward and tell them, I'm trusting Jesus today as my Savior. There might be others who will want to recommit themselves to the way of Christ. Come, as God is leading you. There may be other decisions that Christ is calling you to make. I pray that you'll do it in honor of Him. Let's stand together and begin to sing.